The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We've got injuries. We have the WBC. We have a special guest on the podcast this week. It is a chaotic time, and it's a big, big draft week. All talked about next on the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Happy Sunday night, everybody. Welcome to the Roadwire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, sponsored by Fantrax, the most customizable free commissioner service in fantasy sports, and by Underdog Fantasy, home of the biggest best ball contest in the fantasy baseball industry. It is Sunday night. I'm Scott Jensen. Not joined as always this week, though. i got a special guest this week, one of the uh, best NFBC players in the entire world. I've got Toby, Batflip Crazy, joining me tonight. Jeff Erickson is off in New York uh, doing some Tout Wars work. So, uh, Toby, I really appreciate you jumping on. I'm excited to have you on. Um, it uh, should be fun. How, how's everything? Uh, things are going great, Scott. Thank you so much for, for having me on. I appreciate it. Really excited. We've got some main events already happening this weekend and looking forward yep. to seeing you and many others in Vegas uh, coming up. I wore my my A's hat as well for you. Uh, appreciate today. it. One of us has to be an A's fan still, so that's that's good. There's there's still one of them out there. But uh, yeah, this is a huge week. I mean, we've got uh, we've got Vegas drafts this weekend. Uh, so uh, you drafts, I know you're some auctions. Got a lot going on. There were some main events uh, this weekend in New York and online, so we'll talk about some results there. There are some uh, some stunning and shocking results, which always happens when the, when the main events are drafting. It is people don't want to use DC or they argue about whether they use DC or online ADP. I'm like, you know what the answer to that is? Neither one of them. So it, it's not going to matter. But um, yeah, no, thanks for jumping on. I appreciate it. it should be fun. Um, looking forward to it. Uh, anything you want to uh, you want to tell anybody who you are, where to be found, uh, real quick before we before we get going. Yeah, sure. Uh, my name is Toby. Um, I go by uh, at BatFlipCrazy on, on Twitter. You can find me there. I also have a podcast um, that comes out every Monday or Tuesday night um, with uh, Bubba from Bench with Bubba called the uh, BatFlip, uh, Batflip Crazy Fantasy Baseball Podcast. So if you uh, have if you hear me say anything remotely interesting, feel free to check it out. <laughs> and that not only have you got you guys are so far ahead of the game too. Like you finished all your position previews. You guys are doing like reviews of your previews. So it's like you guys are way ahead of the game here. It's uh, it's <laughs> impressive. So I I don't listen to a lot of stuff in the off season. I, I I tend to kind of take a break from baseball, and then I don't want to get like too much in my head. But I do listen to you guys. It's always it's always fun. I, you guys going through the pre- position previews was really good. Great. Thank thank you. Yeah, I actually did that for the first time. I kind of took a break too. And really kind of decompressed for a while. And it was kind of nice to get away from it. Yeah, my decompression is playing fancy football and fancy basketball. So I don't know how much of a decompression it actually is. But uh, curses out there to Kevin Durant for getting hurt yet again. Um, I was, yeah, by, I was, 
What I'm doing, Scott, is lighting the beam for the first time in many oh, years. So, that must you know? be that must be freaking fun. I uh, I actually bet the beam to uh, to win the West uh, recently. I thought the odds were too insane, so I bet them. They were still twenty five to one like a week ago. Wow, that's that's impressive. Well, let's uh, hope they light the beam for you. Yeah, let's just hope they don't. They don't let's hope we don't get a first round matchup against the Warriors because then I got to root against you, and then we don't want that. Oof. Uh, and I don't think you want that either. The Warriors are bad, but like, I don't think you want to, I don't think you want a series uh, against them if they get healthy at all at any point, but, um, some, some quick news and notes before we jump in. We're going to talk about, uh, we're talking about some gut check week strategy stuff. We're talking about strategy and drafts. We're talking about steals, saves, rookies, injury players, the main event ADP. I want to kind of, this is gut check week is what I was calling it. You know, you got to figure out what you, what, what you want to do, what you want to draft, but a few news and notes. We got some injuries this weekend. Obviously, the huge one is Jose Altuve. Uh, got hit in the thumb by a pitch by Daniel Bard in the U.S.-Venezuela quarterfinal game. Uh, broken thumb out eight to ten weeks, Toby. This is, uh, this is a really uh, a really bad one. Um, as soon as it happened, it felt like it was bad. You could tell by his reaction. like, uh, that doesn't look good. Usually guys like pop up and run first. He kind of popped up and went to the dugout. Um, I guess my question for you is he's out eight to ten weeks. What do you do with him in a in a 15-team draft right now? You're like, I'm crossing him off and there's no point. I take him. Is there a point you'll stash him? What would you do with Altuve at the moment? Yeah, I mean, generally, uh, you know, I think it's difficult enough to win if you don't have injured players sitting on that bench, especially when you have that limited bench like you do in that FBC. So just the, the seven players. If you have an IL league, I think it's perfectly reasonable to do that. I kind of am uh, a projections person, so I put that into um, uh, the system and at 400 plate appearances, and he was about player 200. And I think that's about where he was going in in drafts right now, I just just think it's too difficult, especially early in the year when there's so much changing information, to have some have to only have those six bench spots. You divide that by hitters and then by pitchers, and it just becomes really difficult to figure out who you add, who you drop. And you're going to get somebody that gets hurt in the first month too that you don't want to drop. It's just it gets it, if you want to like a if you pick up a prospect or someone that uh, you get set down or doesn't make the team, uh, it just it's tough. Uh, he went two thirty three in the in the last uh, main event that was tonight. So that's uh, the, what the sixteenth round somewhere. Yeah, sixteenth round. Um, there's a spot I'd take him, but I think someone's going to take him before I do. My spot's probably pretty lower than anybody else. I hate starting with injured guys, and it's just uh, it's tough break. I hate I don't, I don't like the Astros, but uh, I hate injuries more than I more than I hate the Astros. So I hate to see it. I was hoping Altuve would struggle, but not get hurt, which is the, which is what I was rooting for. But uh, it, it sucks. Um, he's obviously a good guy for the game too. Like he's fun to watch, and he's big for the Astros. But uh, just a bummer. I hate when guys get hurt. Uh, we had a note that just came across a few minutes ago. You and I were talking right before we started. Uh, Juan Soto was pulled from a. Uh, I think it was like a B league game or a side, uh, you know, backfield game with a, a mild oblique strain. They say mild oblique strain day to day. As I said to you before, I don't think there's ever anything like an, a mild oblique strain. It feels like they never are mild. Hopefully they caught it early. It's just a little bit of tweak. But if you're drafting, you know, tomorrow or Tuesday, it has to impact where you take Soto, right? Yeah. I feel it's just one of those situations kind of like with Vlad Jr. earlier on where you don't let him fall too far because it seems like it's pretty minor, but until he's played, there's always going to be that uncertainty, like you said, about, you know, it isn't oblique. We've seen obliques ruin seasons pretty early on in the season. And so, um, again, it depends a little bit more on on how much risk you're willing to take there. For a player who's very good, but, um, you know, I, 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 um, I'm, I'm, kind, I'm kind of bummed because I'm, I'm not that interested in him. So, oh, well. Hey. It's funny, right? Because you, you never want injuries, but you really don't want them for guys that you don't want to take because that's suddenly everybody else that you want to take just got moved up a spot. Why were you uh, Why were you out on Soto? Why are you out on Soto at the price? I guess you still are out on Soto. Why are you out on Soto at the price? Yeah, I just think it's a, a combination of a few different things. Um, when I just look at the first round and I see 
the caliber of players that are available that are going around that spot. I think there's a couple pitchers going later that I'm interested in, um, kind of as, as, as is not surprising for people who know kind of my playing style. Um, and then I just think, you know, we know about the high grand brow rate, all that stuff, but San Diego is actually one of the worst power parks um, for lefties. Um, and also we know that the, that the new ball, as long as they use the same ball this year, which is always a, a question mark, um, kind of deadened power a little bit to center and left field. And that's where a lot of his power was. So I think just a combination of factors. I think I still think he's really good. He could be amazing with the shift as well. Uh, see that batting average get back up there. But for me, I, I just like a few players going there a little bit more. I don't know if you saw the clip. Uh, there was a clip of Dusty Baker's son hitting a grand slam the other day. It was like a big moment because they're playing against the Astros. Um, I swear it was a pop-up when he hit it. So I'm, uh, I'm very, uh, I'm very uh, skeptical of the ball is going to be dead again. I know, who knows he's the same ball, but like I saw the clip, I'm like, Oh, that's cool. Darren Baker's playing. He popped up with the bases loaded. And then he's like circling the bases. Like what the hell is going on in here? So, uh, I've seen, I've seen a few balls in spring training that I'm, I'm very skeptical about. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But, um, a few other injury notes real quick before we get into the good draft stuff. Um, Brandon fat, uh, pitcher for the uh, Diamondbacks got sent to the minors. He was moving up and uh, he was moving up in drafts. He's had a really good spring. He's had a better spring than uh, Ryan Nelson and Dre Jamison, who he's kind of been, you know, uh, fighting against for a job. His ADP in the main event is 265. So that's a pick that, like, you want that pick to work. That's, uh, you know, what is it? I'm going to do math in my head 16th, 17th round. That's a pick that, like, that's someone I want to use. Um, what does one do in a spot like this guy goes to the minors? Use that pick on him. You got to hold him for a little bit here, right? Um, yeah. I mean, if you've already picked him, you got to hold on to him um, for a little bit longer. I think. You know, one of the challenges is with the incentives that they have right now, like if you if you feel like a guy is really going to make a push and and be part of the roster, there's a little bit of an incentive to have him on your team to begin with. And so the fact that he doesn't makes me feel like it could be, you know, a couple months before um, we see him, or maybe a month or so. And it's just hard to have a guy where you're not quite sure what's going to happen. He could get injured in the minor. He could struggle in the minors. If any of those things happen, right, he's delayed a little bit more. So if you've already picked him, you got to kind of, you already have one of those tough decisions about whether you're going to add or drop somebody. And then yep. I think when you're drafting later, it, it, it's tough to add a player who's not on the, on the, on the roster to begin with. Yeah. He was someone I was pretty interested in if he made the, if he made the roster, I've not drafted yet. So, uh, but I would not take him now. I'm not, I'm not going to stash him. Uh, someone asked me if what we do with him, I, if I was a 12 team or I'd actually drop him the first drop, drop period, I think in a 12 team or I drop him right away a 15 team or if I spent a 16, 17 throughout pick, I think I'm going to hold for, a couple weeks here, kind of see what my bench looks like. If I don't get a bunch of injuries, I try and hold them as long as I can. The quote from, I think it was the GM, I think it was the GM said something like, oh, he's going to pitch for us this year. It's like, great, thanks for the thanks for the help there. I mean, and but the thing is with the Diamondback, you know, Jamison or whoever wins the job, Nelson could have a bad outing. Um, you get a couple of guys injured. He could be up pretty quick. I mean, pitchers get hurt, but it's just, uh, it's tough to hold someone like that, especially a young pitcher who might get hurt himself. Might, like you said, might struggle in the minors himself. It's a, it's a tough hold. Um it's just, it's a tough one. You, you took it, you took a spec pick as you know, that uh, you knew you might not make the roster, but that's a, it's a tough one, but you got to hold them for now. I agree with you there. Uh, a couple other quick notes, uh, Brandon Nimmo, some structural damage chance to be ready for opening day. Um, what do you do with someone like Nimmo here? It sounds like maybe he's going to get a shot. It's not gonna be missing too long. I was out on Nimmo at the price as it was. Um, I love him as a player. I think I like him as more as a real baseball player than a fancy baseball player, but uh, with him, uh, a chance for opening day, I'm, I'm fully off my list now. Yeah. You know, he, he, he is he's still a little bit interesting to me um we're going to talk a little bit uh, later about some of the categories that it's challenging to find going late and i think yep. he's one of the guys going latest latest that can help you out in runs he's a high obp guy he's hitting at the top of that lineup so where he's going again like i'm pretty conservative when it comes to like going after sure things but 
if it looks pretty good that he's going to be there on opening day come this come this weekend or or shortly thereafter it could be an opportunity i think his adp was at 264 and that included some of the drafts before he got injured so i'm sure he's going a little bit later um in the last few drafts so depending where he goes i may be interested just because it's really hard to find guys hitting at the top of the lineup and it's really hard to find high obp guys hitting at the top of the lineup later in, on a draft so he might be able to help me with runs later on yeah he was in like the high 100s adb for a while and then he's obviously he's dropped with the injury he was uh seven main events he's 242 right now so that's uh Probably in that range where I'd be a little more okay taking him. I did not like him in the 11th, 12th round. Last year, I kind of liked him in the 19th, 20th, just like mostly because, like you said, the runs. Um, but he's probably trying to get in that range where I think he becomes interesting. I mean, obviously, hitting the top of a really good lineup um, does uh, just change things at the new price here. Uh, what? Uh, how do you feel about the Braves shortstop situation right now? Uh, Vaughn Grissom has not appeared in the field the last four games. It's not like they're giving Braden Skurake. I think I'm going to get that name right. Uh, get kind of a chance to see what he could do against a big league pitching. Um one of these guys to start the year in the minors, nobody thought it was going to be Grissom two weeks ago. And it sounds like they, Grissom's not a lock for the opening day roster. Yeah, I'm kind of disinterested, I guess, would just be uh, my perspective on it. I mean, Orlando Arcia might be might be of interest. You know, he, he improved towards the back end of last year. Um, there was a little bit of encouragement in those metrics, and he's going real late in drafts. So he could be a pretty good kind of um, late stab. But for Grissom, I think the challenge has always been, in even in a best-case scenario, it seems like he's starting out at the very back end of that lineup, right? Yep. And they've got a really solid top of that lineup. So to see him cracking the top of it would be really, really challenging. So you're limited in the plate appearances. Obviously, there's kind of the batting average, speed combo with the possibility of some power that I think a lot of people saw in the projections. So if you project him out for enough plate appearances, it's pretty exciting. But there are other facets to the game outside of that uh, projected batting line, including defense. And it seems like maybe he's not there. I think it's five straight games that he hasn't, he hasn't started yep. at shortstop. So um, it's funny. Yeah. We talk, we talk about, we talk about Ozzy Albies and Michael Harris, like who's going to hit second, who's going to hit six. Like Grissom's behind those guys. So like him, him moving up takes him to jumping two guys in that lineup. And I get the lineup's really good and hitting eight there is different than hitting eighth on the A's or the nationals, but Still hitting eighth. I mean, it's still uh, it's still not a great spot, especially if you want to steal bases, that sort of thing. Uh, where are you on, uh, finally, before we get out of here, where are you on Jordan Alvarez at the moment? It sounds like he might play in a spring game next week. We might see him on the field before we draft in the main event. What the heck does one do if they delay that a couple more days and we're drafting on Saturday and he hasn't played a, played an inning in the, in the spring training yet? I feel like this is an annual spring ritual, isn't it? Like, yeah, it when will like Jordan it. Alvarez yeah. make his debut in spring training? Um, I think as long as he's playing, I feel okay about it. Um, he's, I mean, we've seen how incredibly good he is as a hitter. Um, so I think as long as he can stay healthy, he helps you out. I think in today's landscape where, you know, steals are still really important, but he provides both that batting average and power combo, which is so vital in addition to playing in one of the best lineups. I think it's a risk worth taking, you know, depending on where you, where you are in the draft, but, uh, do, I think. Do you worry at all? Last year, when he was dealing with the wrist, he still hit for a good average, but the power um, was sapped in the second half. Um, I mean, I, I'm I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I I feel like I'd still I still feel pretty good that he's going to hit 30 home runs. Um, he was uh 26 home runs, 26 home runs in the first half, 11 in the second half. Granted, it was 15 less games, but still, I uh, still hit 307. The dude's unbelievable. I think he's the he and Judge are the two best pure hitters in baseball. If I if you had to ask me that question, I love Jordan. 
but I'm a little worried this lingered through the whole offseason, too. It's like if it wasn't that bad, like you think it would have gone away in a month of the offseason. But the fact that it's back um, worries me a pretty good amount. I am uh, I love Yoran. I think he's an absolute stud, but it's hard. I don't think you do it in the first round. He's kind of moving more towards the middle of the second round. It's still a really high pick. And it's just the problem that in order to take him, you're passing up on someone really, really, really good, too, that does not have this injury. So um, I'm a little hesitant to pull the trigger on him right now, even though I admit that he is an absolute beast. Yeah, he's he 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 is certainly a beast. I'll, I will say that. So, so let's uh, let's jump into some strategies. Uh, I think we've got enough enough news and notes. But first, a note from our sponsors at Underdog: the fantasy baseball season is underway, and there's no better place to play than Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to play fantasy baseball. Right now, Underdog has the MLB Best Ball tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has five hundred thousand dollars in total prizes. In Best Ball, all you do is join a contest, draft your league, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. That's three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get a free six-month subscription to Rotowire, all for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy, promo code RWMLB. Draft your $100,000 Dinger team today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, Toby, it's draft week. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, I want to talk about some just general strategies you're kind of rolling into this weekend of, uh, you know, main events, auctions, whatever it may be. Let's start with saves. Um, we have, obviously, the big news was, you know, Edwin Diaz is, uh, is essentially out for the year. And there's some talk he maybe comes back in September. But essentially, for our purposes, out for the year. There were very few um, save anchors as it was coming into the season. You know, these there's probably seven or eight guys, depending on where you want to draw the line. Now there's one fewer. Um, makes it a little tougher. What is your general strategy as we go into draft? So how are you going to deal with saves right now? Yeah, it's really interesting. I've been monitoring that just to see kind of what happens with the closer ADP. And it doesn't seem like it's shifted too much with Edwin. Like I, I expected it um, to do that. I think there's two general approaches that I'll probably take in drafts. Um, I think the first is kind of going with that, uh, that foundational piece that's the closer. So going in the first four or five rounds and um, grabbing a closer there and then maybe waiting until the back end to to speculate on a on a few players um, who you may want to go after. Um, and then I think the second one is is maybe focusing more on that kind of kind of mid-range closer. Um, your kind of Clay Holmes, David Bednar, Scott Barlow types, yep. um, and trying to get one of them and then maybe um, maybe somebody who you feel has a pretty good, pretty good handle on the role um, as well. So 
either get grabbing two of them and spending kind of you know middle draft capital on it or going for that foundational piece and maybe speculating a little bit but you can either at the back end of the draft get lucky or through fab in the process of the season add those 35 40 saves that you're going to need it's funny because there's a lot of in a snake draft at least a 15 team there's a lot of it like where where you draft because if you draft near the front of the or the front of the draft if you don't decide to take Classe at that two, three turn, you're pretty much not getting anybody coming back. It's like Classe goes, Hater glows, and then that group of like Iglesias, Romano, uh, missing someone in there, Helsley, and uh, there's someone else I'm forgetting. Mm-hmm. Um, who am I forgetting? Oh, Devin uh, Williams. They all, and Bautista goes there too. So like you may get to the end of the fourth round and you're like, the choice has been made for you. Maybe Bautista slides through there, but now that he's healthy, um, you know, he's, uh, he's moving up a little bit. It's just weird that it's the one spot where if you're early in the draft, you don't want Classe two, three, you may not get another chance for one. Yeah, I mean, it really, it, and this is, I think, what's so challenging. Like, I'm working on KDS right now, which is yep. Kentucky Derby set. What is it? Kentucky Derby system style? System, yes. Yeah, whatever it is. There's an S at the end of it, but essentially yep. picking your favorite draft slot. And it's right. so challenging to do because it's like, yeah, if you have a pick early on, well, you're like, oh, well, right now, Helsley and Bautista are making yep. it back there. So then you have to ask yourself, do I like Helsley and do I like Bautista? Yeah. And then you have to say, okay, but what happens if they get pushed up and I don't? Then am I going to jump up Kenley Jansen to that spot? Like, do I feel comfortable doing that? Or am I waiting? And then if I wait, you know, I think uh, I think earlier today, you know, Bednar went in the 80s, I want to say, something like that. So um, Clay Holmes went around there too. So, you know, it really depends. Each draft is unique, and you just kind of have to weigh those risks um, in terms of what you what you feel comfortable with. And it's not, it's not an easy no. thing because – because fabbing for saves is an awful, awful experience. And I know it yeah. well. So uh, I do too. And you end up using all your money there. It's funny. Last year, my thought was I was gonna, I had the first pick and I was going to take one at the four or five turn. There was like three guys going there. They all went before my pick. Um, so I had to take Aaron Judge instead. So it worked out. Uh, it yeah. actually worked out. <laughs> I was like, what, what I, a bummer. I remember a roll, a roll just went the pick before me. I'm like, oh my God, that's all the closes. I'm like, oh, but Judge didn't get taken until now. So it, sometimes it works out, but um, I had trouble with saves all year long. So it's one of those things that it's just, it's such a fine. It's a, it's a key point that as you do with this and you deal with your strategy, like make sure you're aware for, you know, how you're going to adjust if things go screwy. Maybe, maybe you're in a league where those closes last longer and you got, you got two or three of them that make sure you know which one you like, but also if they're gone, you know, make sure if you get an early pick, you know, who's there at the, at the, whatever that'd be the six, seven turn, like make sure you just have different plans to build it out. Um, that, uh, that third tier, if you're going, you know, past uh, Bautista and Helsley, is there someone, uh, any of you guys you particularly like in there that you, you really would, would like to find a piece of kind of in the, you know, six, seven, eight round? Yeah, I think um, there's like, uh, there's Bednar, who I think is, is a really good closer. Um, there is Scott Barlow has been really interesting. Um, I think he might be an interesting guy there. I mean, I think feel like anybody who's really, I feel confident that they have a solid, um, grasp on the role yeah. um i would feel pretty good about about going after them one of the challenges how, how, i've experienced oh, no, i was gonna go say ahead. how do you feel about like the, just that feeling of that how do you feel about the duran fairbanks kind of guys that like mm, they're really good but maybe they don't have the job yeah i mean duran i think is an incredible pitcher. Start, yeah he's an absolute i mean phenomenal pitcher but i think i think minnesota has I mean, they've had, they've had really good pitchers before. Not any that are Duran's quality, I think. But they've got some really good pitchers in that bullpen, actually. Like, I feel like even if um, Jorge Lopez um, isn't also a closer, they've got um, Griffin Jackson there, who is looking really good um, this spring. They've got a bunch of guys who have who have really amped up the velo a lot. 
Um, one of the McGill's, you know, um, as yeah. well, who's there. Yep. So I feel like they have a lot of options and I think they've been pretty clear um, for a little while that they are like Taylor Rogers, right? We thought he was going to be the closer forever and he never really got that job firmly. So yep. that's my concern with Duran. So if he's a second guy, maybe, um, or if you're in like a standalone or something like that, maybe he's a little bit more interesting where there's not that overall component. But it is really important. I mean, the thing for Fairbanks is if you've been paying attention to his StatCast data throughout um, the yeah. spring, he is down 3.6 miles per hour. And I've seen yeah. like I've seen some tweets going around about like, oh, like pitch misclassification or things like that. And it's like, you know, it could be like I, there's yeah. been a couple of situations where I'm like, oh, my God, this player's way down. And then yeah. I look through and I'm like, oh, actually, they mischaracterized this one pitch. And that brought his velo down so much. But with Fairbanks, every single outing, he's been lower than three miles per hour yep. with his injury history. And then I looked, he his max velo on his fastball today was 96.6. And his that would have been, that's a 2.6 mile per hour drop um, from last year's average velocity. That's his max is a 2.4 mile per hour drop. So I'm kind of out, I think, on Fairbanks, just with you when you combine that with um, the injury history. But don't get me wrong, like I saw the same second half of last year that everybody else did. And I, I think he could be absolutely incredible to his credit. You know, his whiffs, his CSW over the course of the spring has still been really good. But it's tough to know whether that's just a product of the, the quality of hitters he's facing or not. Yeah, I'm pretty out on him, too. So I'm hoping the uh, I'm hoping nobody hears that the Velo's down. I still keep drafting him. Oops, but sorry. Oh, no, it's out there. I've seen it, too. And there's I saw one report. It's like, yeah, he just doesn't ramp it up this early. And maybe it, it's it's March 18th. Maybe he doesn't want to go out there and throw 99. I, I get that, too. But uh, I just don't trust the Rays more than anything. And it's like I love Fairbanks when he was like a 12th round pick. But as an eighth round pick, like he needs to have that job. Like I feel pretty good that he's going to get 25 saves. And I don't I mean, I don't think it's crazy that he gets nine. And like that's just the way the Rays work. And. I know they paid him. I know they like him. I know he was really good last year, but we're talking about 24 innings of a guy that wasn't that good before that. So it's like, it just, I don't, I'm not buying into the small sample and the raise. You put that together and I, I was out on the price. So I'm hoping the price stays where it is. Uh, what about stolen bases? I think that, uh, I think that saves, uh, you know, you can kind of come up with a strategy. Stolen bases are tough. Stolen bases, like, my problem is stolen bases. If, you, if you're at the back end of a draft and you're like, oh, well, you got like Freeman and Riley and a pitcher, and you get some, you got like guys that don't steal very much. You don't get an early pick. It becomes hard because as you as you kind of get into guys, the guys who steal bases, I find myself not liking in the middle round just because they don't hit the ball very hard. And I get it; they get pushed up because stolen bases. You have to get some. What's kind of your general stolen base strategy right now? I know it's hard to answer that without knowing exactly where you're picking. But uh, are you like, uh, I got to get some early no matter what? Do you have guys in the middle you're like targeting to kind of figure that out? Do you have some guys at the back? We're going to talk about guys at the back that you're like, if I get stuck, here we go. What, what's kind of your general thought with stolen bases coming into 2023? Yeah, I think with steals, I mean, my philosophy and my strategy is pretty similar to how it's been, you know, over the last few years as well. Like I'm trying to diversify my steals. I don't want them to be, um, you know, too heavily into one player or the other one, because then I think your team is 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 in, is in a precarious uh, position. I also think that it's very challenging to kind of compile those ten to fifteen to twenty steals guys, yeah. you know, across the course of a draft to have enough. Um, I think this year, like, I feel okay about being a little bit lighter on speed. I think than I would usually actually. I feel like with the new rules, yes, we are going to see an increase in speed. We still aren't sure exactly who that's going to impact, 
you know, the most. Right. Um, and so I think what we have to kind of do is, you know, maybe it impacts the guys that are a little bit faster more. Um, Jeff Zimmerman has done a great job of kind of highlighting how a lot of those guys that have a ton of steals the year before, there's just a natural regression that happens that's actually stronger than the increase that they're going to see. And so, you know, really like what I'm going to do is kind of um, see how the, the early season progresses. If steals go kind of like we're thinking, I think there will be a valuable roster spot available for players who are currently in the minors or who maybe don't have as much of an opportunity um, who can kind of get on base and who can steal bases in that way. And so I prefer to maybe have that as my one weakness this year where I can really concentrate on it in fab, um, look for, you know, and maybe pay up a little bit for those guys that, that do need some steals um, in knowing that I'm really going to focus in, and we'll talk about this later in terms of strategies, like I am going to focus in on getting some guys that have some power earlier on, because I think that that is a category that in the past, maybe we used to be able to rely on it a little bit, but it gets pretty ugly pretty yeah. quickly um, if you don't do that. So um, I'm still trying to spread it around. Um, we'll see how effective I end up being. Someone in the chat mentioned uh, they, they Jeff Sam Haggerty for steals. Uh, I looked at the 24% hard hit rate and the 26% uh, strikeout rate, and I crossed them off my list already. So sorry about uh, Ellsbury 2.0, but uh, I don't uh, I don't see it there in Seattle, who has a pretty uh, a pretty stacked uh, stacked squad. Um, I agree with you on stolen bases. I really don't want to get to the point where I'm I need that one guy that's going to do it all for me and. Uh, I don't really want to get to the 13th, 14th round and have to jump for Estor, Esteri Ruiz or someone like that. I'd really like to avoid having to get to Jorge Mateo or Mondesi. Like, I just, I don't want to put myself in a spot where I got to push those guys up three or four rounds because you have to do it because you're like, oh, someone else needs steals here too. I got to do it. So um, I'd like to kind of mix and match too and, and get uh, get them in a few bunches. But it's, uh, it's a category I find myself struggling in. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a tough one every year for sure. And John Birdie doesn't come around every year or Jake McCarthy, boy. right? Like boy, I got boy. Jake McCarthy last year and it was just like, Oh, this is sweet. I had, I had both. I had birdie, birdie on both main events teams and McC McCarthy on one of them. Oh. It was, uh, saved me. Cause I didn't have a, no, I had, I had okay steals, but then it really pushed me. I could never even think about it. after that birdie run. I never think about steals again. It was, it was beautiful. Uh, what about, uh, what about rookies? Uh, as we saw in the, uh, the main event this weekend, we've had seven drafts. And uh, Anthony Volpe on the Yankees, who we're not even sure is going to make the team, is that, uh, but you know, he's been hitting leadoff, has been playing shorts on a bunch this week. ADP is 213 with a min pick of 176 in those seven drafts. That is a, that's a 13, a 14th round pick somewhere right in there. Like, that's a high pick. That's a, that's a pick that you're like, this guy's playing for me. He's playing every week. Uh, you know, maybe in the midseason, if it's someone that's not doing well, I could drop him. But we're talking about someone that has a lot of popularity moving way up right now. Jordan Walker, we've been talking about all spring. How do you feel normally about the, the helium rookies here? Are you one to kind of lean into them? Or are you one to like, eh, I don't really want to take this. I'm going to take someone I know more about. Uh, where do you generally fall in rookie strategy-wise? Uh, I dislike them very much. <laughs> um, that was no, I mean, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty um, – yeah, I mean, I, I feel like there's a lot of major leaguers. There's a lot of players who play yeah. fantasy, and I would rather go with folks that I know a little bit about, okay. you know, because I think that that oftentimes, like, we get focused on the players that do really well, and we, we kind of forget about those players that didn't do so well or weren't so successful. And obviously, last year, we had a couple players who really kind of, like, took that next step. Um, but I just feel like the helium that they generate – is oftentimes not necessarily um, worth it. So, um, and oftentimes like because they get that helium or because they get that hype, 
they're pushed up to such an extent that they actually have to be a lot better than you know the projections indicate in order for them to even get close to um, generating value for you. So obviously there are guys like Corbin Carroll who we've seen he's incredibly fast, right? Yep. Like he was incredibly fast last year when he played in the majors, right? Yep. Like we've seen the max exit velo. He had that same max exit velo last year when he was playing in the majors. Yep. And that's not to say that he can't develop and growth. And I think the hard, the thing that I struggle with the most as being somebody who's very like process oriented is like, I just, I don't like that development isn't linear. Like, why can't we get linear development? Like I'd be very pro linear development of prospects so that I could really account for this, but you don't how, get that sometimes. How, how boring, how boring would that be though? I know it would be very boring. But it'd be I'm so, of, it'd be so easy boring. too. Yeah. We want this yeah. to be a challenge. It's yeah, funny you sure. mentioned Carol because I you you asked me a month ago I'd be like you know what I'm gonna have Corbin Carroll everywhere and now I don't think I'm gonna have him anywhere like he ADP right now in the seven main events is 48 like we're talking you're talking that he's around Luis Castillo Rysel Iglesias Zach Wheeler Shane Bieber Luis Robert Matt Olson De- like these are already studs and I love Carroll love watching him obviously you mentioned the speed 99th percentile sprint speed but like we don't know if he's gonna hit for power yet and we're gonna he's gonna hit for power at some point in the majors but I don't think he's gonna do it yet I mean last year he hit for the minors he had 23 home runs but he came up yep 115 play appearances had four home runs you know had a had a, a big strikeout rate but he's a big strikeout rate in the minors like usually the guy's a big strikeout rate and I look in the minors I'm like he was 10% lower I'm like all right he's just adjusting hitting the majors is really hard but you know Carroll's uh Carroll's K rate was 25% in double A last year. Like that, that's a, that's a big number. That's not going to go down in the majors. It's definitely going to go up. So I, uh, I think I'm out. Unfortunately, I think he's really fun. I'm going to love watching him play him going first to third is pretty freaking fast and fun, but um, there are too many studs around that range that I, I think I'm going to end up with none of them. Yeah. I mean, uh, as I mentioned before, I'm like a projections person. And like, yeah. if you give him the projections, you know, like the best projection that he has right now, right. You're talking about, a 256 batting average, 13 home runs and 21 steals, you know, with 75 runs and 60 uh, RBI, that actually puts him like as a as a non-value by like 50 spots, um, wow. something like that. Like th- those are profiles that are available to you like throughout the draft, you know. And so even his teammate like Jake McCarthy is projected for a lot more steals you know, than Corbin Carroll is. And so when you take all the things that could possibly happen, the struggles, the potential for injury, which is also part of his history, as well as a prospect, there's a lot of different ways that it can go right. And the median projection is something that says that where he's going right now is way, way too, um, way too sweet of a price, I guess, is how you would say it. We, we forget all the missteps for the, the fact that Julio Rodriguez and Bobby Witt were awesome last year. Uh, but those are also like elite, elite level prospects that happen to work out really well too. I mean, it, they do work, but there is a long list of prospects we've drafted over the years that have not worked well. And uh, I think the price on Carroll is just a little bit too high. Someone in the chat just mentioned that uh, he went 35th in their online championship uh, this morning. So that is, I'm talking, I'm out at 45 at 35. I'm definitely all the way out. So it's, uh, it's, it's too bad, but it'll be, it'd be fun to watch either way. Um, speaking of main event ADPs, uh, as, as they started to trickle out, uh, the, this weekend, you know, the, the main event kind of updates on the ADP on the NFC website. Anybody can see them. There's nothing secretive here. You can see it's seven drafts. Uh, starting pitchers are pushed up to, I mean, they always get pushed up, but they are pushed way up again. I was looking at a couple of guys. Uh, like, I think I was looking at the, the two Rays guys, uh, Jeffrey Springs and Drew Rasmussen, up from like 170 to 120. Like you're talking like 50 spots from ADP over the last two weeks and all the other drafts to the main event. Um, how do you adjust for that? How do you, do you just go in knowing that every starting pitcher you like is going to be two rounds higher than you thought it was going to be? Like where, how do you kind of strategize there? 
Yeah, it's it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a challenge, right? Like, I mean, with my from my approach, you know, I have my valuations for players, and yeah. I don't like those valuations are based on something, and so I don't yeah. want to push them beyond that point where it makes sense, you know. But at the same time, like this is also the medium projection, and maybe there's something that we see in these players. I mean, I think there's a reason that both Rasmussen and, and Springs are are kind of um, moving up the the draft boards, and so I think it's just a matter of like you got to have your priorities and you've got to really know heading into the draft, like, where am I comfortable making this happen? And in a snake draft, right. In a non-auction, like in a snake draft, you know exactly where you're picking yep. and you probably know the exact point in time when you need to make a decision about like, do I go with this player here or do I risk not making it come back? And the fact of the matter is like one of the, it's painful, but it's also beautiful in the sense that like, you don't fully control it, but you do have that chance. And if there's yep. somebody in that queue that likes him a little bit more than you do, or is willing to draft him in that round that you weren't willing to do it, then that player probably thought that they were better than you did. So I think those are just like, kind of like you, you mentioned at the beginning, gut check, shout out to our buddy Vlad um, <laughs> on that. Um, you know, do, I, do I owe him some royalties or some kind uh, of trademark? Potentially. potentially. I'm, I'm not going to tell him. I'm not yeah. going to tell him anything. I'll keep it under wraps. I'm, I'm sure he'll never see it. We're really, we're really private with this podcast. So I'm sure oh, for sure, for sure. He's not watching right now at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And, and the interesting thing is, like everybody freaks out, but like you still get one pick every every 15 picks. You still get one pick every round. And the joy of some of this stuff is like, well, you know, if I don't love this pitcher, like there's going to be hitters that are falling. I talked about these guys moving up. I looked at it was like Jock Peterson. I looked at it. he's 50 point 50, 50 spots lower than he was a couple weeks ago. So like there's gonna be out there gonna be people that have to fall. There's the way the math works. There's only so many guys that are injured. Like granted, how two ways out fully, but like for everybody that falls, there's gonna be some. If everybody goes up. There's gonna be some guy that falls. You look at ADP like Paul Goldschmidt's going uh, ADP of 30 right now in, in these main events. So there's guys that are falling back. Uh, you know Michael Harris is down to 33. So like some of these guys are getting pushed back. Arnado's like towards the end of the third round. So as these pitchers go up, if you're like I don't want pay for this like just know that there are gonna be hitters that that fall to you that you didn't expect maybe if you're doing your draft prep a couple weeks ago but make sure you know that you know that uh, that sleeper pitcher you like in the 12th round ain't gonna be there in the 12th round this weekend yeah and and you mentioned this before like you were you were hoping that Aroldis Chapman fell to you at the four or five turn last year right yep. and you got Aaron Judge now how do you feel about it right yeah I have a similar story like the the highest I ever finished in a main event in that team, I really wanted Anthony Rizzo. I really wanted Anthony Rizzo in the 50 round or something. And guess what I got instead? I got Anthony Rendon when he returned first round back, um, right? Nice. And so it's just one of those situations where I think like part of this whole process, as difficult as it is, as we put so many hours and we invested into getting the players that we like, but we have no control over what happens after we draft them. And so even if you don't get that guy that you felt was necessary or instrumental to your draft plan, things can still work out for you. So don't give up after you lose Drew Rasmussen or Jeffrey Springs, you know, tomorrow. I don't think uh, Rendon has a home run since then. Uh, he probably doesn't. Him and Chris Bryant are what I like to call like uh, the guys who signed their deals and yeah. just checked out. And we're just like, you know, this, this is great. Like I'm living in Denver. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful stadium. Like, you know, but I'll, I'll maybe play here and there, but I'm just going to kind of enjoy life from now on. Rendon gave a weird interview this spring too. Like he was like actually mad that someone was asking about his injuries. I'm like, dude, you signed a deal and you haven't played 60 games in a year. Like if a reporter would be weird not to ask you about that. Like I know the first year was COVID, so you can't kind of that, but like last two years, 
58 and 47 games. Like, it'd be weird if they, like, they're not doing their job. And he, like, got offended by it, got upset. And he was talking about, like, maybe I won't play it. It was a very strange interview. Uh, what do you do with Rendon? Are you are you in at the uh, at the new discounted price here? What, uh, what do you do with someone like that that hadn't played in two years? I'm not really. I should be probably, right? It's like, but he's older. He's much older. Like, it's been a while since he's been able to put up what he's put up. Yeah. Um, you know, he was pretty fortunate in that year where he did really well. Like he's never been a big power guy. And that was really the year. I think, was it the bouncy ball year? Was it, it was the, it was 20. Yeah. It was juice ball. Juice ball year was, was a good ju- year to be the last year of your contract. It was a, it was a good year for sure. So it's juice ball action. Um, and I mean, I, I just, yeah, I just, you know, I know that people are always like, you can tell by looking at the draft, right. Volpe in the 14th or, you know, um, somebody like for me, like around this part of the draft, like pick, you know, 250, 230, 220. There are players I like, you yeah, know, players that are really good players that I want. And I am not messing around with guys that have that level of question mark at this point in the draft. So and I've, I've suffered as a result of it sometimes. But then there's also the times that you don't hear about it, right? Because you were right in skipping that over. So yeah, it's boring, but fun. There are two players through the seven first seven main events that have an ADP of 194.29, Anthony Rendon and Jared Kelnick. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting little duo right there. For sure, for sure. You had to, you had to pick one of those guys. Who would it be? Uh, I would I would go Eflin or Eflin. I just saw in the chat there. Eflin. I was like, wow, wow, you're really you know, I just want Zach Eflin at 192.6. Wow. Um, better, better not let that get out. That's a big secret right there. <laughs> for sure, for sure. I'm actually setting up my KDS so that I can pick at 192.6 exactly. Just and for then Zach from Eflin. there, just so I can get Zach <laughs> Eflin. Um, uh, no, I would go with Kelly. Kelly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think uh, I think I probably would. Uh, I think I probably would too. There, that's a, it's an interesting little. I just saw that exact same ADP. Is interesting two guys there. Um, so let's jump into uh, some late category helpers. You know, as you get uh, as you get in any draft, whether it's a ten team or a twelve team or a fifteen team, or as you get through the first, I don't know. We'll use two hundred picks as kind of a general thing. If you want to go a little bit higher or lower, that's fine too. But you know, you get to about like, oh, you know, I need steals, or oh, I'm a little behind in ratios, or I need wins, or I need Ks. Like, what can you do? And I think it's really important to know, like, at some point in a fifteen team, or you're going to be behind in some category. There's just there's no way to be that balanced where you're good everywhere. And if you are, you're probably not good anywhere, which is a problem too. So like if you're just flat balanced, it's not good either. So uh, we're going to go through the positions or go through the categories. We'll go to offense first and kind of come up with a, a few names of guys you like later in the draft. I use, When we're talking, I use pick 200, kind of a marker there. If you, like I said, you want to go before or after, that's fine. But you know, guys in the second half, you're like, uh, I'm behind here. What can I do? Let's start with power. I'll, I'll combine home runs and RBIs together. There's no point in splitting those up. Uh, as you get later in a draft, you're like, oh, I got great speed. I got great pitching. I'm, I'm, I'm a little short on power. Where do you find yourself kind of gravitating towards uh, what guy or two do you, do you like here? Yeah. And one thing I just say, like, I think a useful um, exercise in figuring this out too, is just to go like on fan graphs and look up a projection system or roto wire and go to a projection system and then sort by home runs and then see how far down the list you have to go in order to be able to see some of the players that are going to be showing up here. Yep. So I think if I'm if I'm soft in power, I mean the, the number one thing I think that you need to be factoring in if you are behind in power is that you better have a pretty good batting average heading into those later rounds yeah. because the guys you're going to be adding 
are not going to be helping your batting average. It's, really, it's, it's, it's a really, really good point because all these guys, I have like four guys listed and none of them have good batting averages. Uh, unless they ban every single infielder from being <laughs> on the diamond, right. I think you're going to have a bad batting average with these guys. Um, so some of the players like Jorge Soler um, is one, obviously on the Marlins. I think he's going in the mid to late 200s now. You know, he's had 40 home run power before. He's still relatively young. It's not a great park, but he hits towards the top middle of the lineup. Um, so he would be one option. Um, Adam Duvall is another one. You know, he looks to have an everyday spot with the Red Sox, I think in center field. Um, and so he's another guy who has power. Um, again, like I think Soler is projected for like a 220 batting average. I think that's actually higher than Adam Duvall's is. Um, <laughs> Jock Peterson and Mike Yastrzemski are two players on the Giants. You know, the thing about the Giants is they've got a lot of lefty bats and they can only platoon so many of them, you know? So it's going to be interesting to see if there's a guy who, you know, really kind of is able to um, take hold of that everyday role. And they're both hitting towards the middle of the lineup and they project pretty well. And by pretty well, I mean, all the guys I'm talking about here are like in the low 20s to high teens, you know, in terms of the power that they're providing. Um, Josh Donaldson is another one. Again, you're hoping that he has that comeback. He seemed yep. to have an injury in May, I think it was, and he never really returned from that. And then one guy who's going to show up, I think, on a lot of the list that I'm going to share is um, is J.D. Martinez. And, you know, whenever you're drafting later on, there's always that one little detail about that player, you know, that is a little bit challenging. And the thing for um, him is is he's useful only, right? And it doesn't look like he's going to get any other yep. position eligibility. So you just need to be mindful of that. Um, but J.D. Martinez is another guy. I think he's projected for either 19 or 21 home runs this year. So, again, those are all guys who are projected in kind of the high teens to low 20s. And really, like, there are very few players going at an ADP of under 200, at least according to the main event ADP, that are going to provide you with 20 or more home runs. So I had uh, I had five names listed in this category. The one category I actually had a lot of names. You just named four of them. That's crazy. There's a lot of names in the after 200. You named four of my guys. That is, I guess I'm glad. My, I'm, I'm giving away too much here, Scott. You are. You really are. Um, I feel very vulnerable. Oh, my God. Jock Peterson is fascinating to me. Um, he only had 57 plate appearances against lefties all year. It probably was the best thing to happen to him. Like, you just don't get those 0 for 4s, but he's 98th percentile uh, hard hit, 95th percentile barrel last year. He actually dropped his strikeouts. He raised his walks. Um, his, his expected batting average, 80th percentile. So he's one of the guys here, like he had 274 last year. And like, you look at it, like, I wonder if it, maybe his XBA, he was like way out hit. He really didn't. He was 80th percentile there. His X, uh, X Woba and X Slug are both over 95th percentile. Like, he had a massive year. His ADP is way down in the main events too. He's like 287. It was like in the, I think it was in like the early 200s. So I think he's one of those guys that everybody's kind of pushing up pitching, trying to find some speed. And Jock Peterson kind of slides through. At his previous price, I was like, yeah, I don't think so. But to pick 288, I would take that all day, especially with NFBC rules where you can play the half weeks. Like, I, I, that's fine. If he's facing two lefties, I can sit him at this price. That's that's an easy price. If I'm taking it at 220, it's a lot harder to sit him and I'm, I'm giving something up there. So I do like Jock. So uh, I like that one there. Um, someone in the chat mentioned uh, Fran Mil Reyes. I kind of got out on Fran Mil Reyes after, after last year. Um, so much in Avisel Garcia. I kind of like that one too. I think that, uh, you know, one of those things like maybe throw out 2022 and when we're good. So I'm going to talk about the one guy you didn't mention. I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with Seth Brown in Oakland. I know you're wearing the A's hat. Uh, there are no, uh, I don't, I don't think there's any A's in the top 200 of, uh, of drafts, which is almost impossible. When you think about the whole team. It's ridiculous, Scott. It's outrageous. I I'm looking at that. 
in the seven main events, uh, Ruiz is the top A at 210.9. That's amazing. I, I bet he shows up on a list later on tonight somewhere. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, probably, uh, probably, not, uh, probably not batting average either. But um, the thing with Seth Brown, uh, he said he's picked 233 in main events right now. So like the 16th round, um, just another guy, solid except for the batting average. He hit 230, but 25 home runs. He tossed in 11 stolen bases, though, which is really important at this point. And you look at his uh, sprint speed in his 63rd percentile. So he's not slow. He's not super fast, but maybe he throws in another 6 to 10. Maybe with the extra rules, he throws in 12 to 14. Like, this stolen bases are actually uh, a little bit real. Terrible park, terrible team. I do get that. It's just it's one of those things going to hurt you. But uh, 90th percentile uh, barrel guy, 13%. Uh, you know, Howard hit was not as good above average, but the barrels uh, where, where he signs. Uh, he dropped the strikeouts. They're still too high, but he dropped them a little bit. He's going to play every day, though, which is the key here. Um, you know, his first base and outfield eligibility is nice. You know, if you back up your corner and your outfield at the same time, it's really nice. Um, the batting average is always going to be tough. Just too many strikeouts. Uh, he hits a lot of fly balls. Good for the home runs. Bad for the batting average, probably. Uh, but I think Seth Brown, pick 233, I think is the 1A that I that I might draft in this range. You don't seem sold. Well, I mean, I think it's a challenge. I think it's the same thing with Jock Peterson. It's like... It's like, you know, there's a reason they're going lower, and it's that yeah. the possibility of platoon, right? Yeah. And it's like, who yes, the heck? Can, who the heck are the A's platooning for him? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, they're the A's. I mean, they've made some tremendous trades in the last few years. I mean, they have real bright people running the show. You you forget that Manny Pena is starting the year on the IL, so we can't they oh, can't platoon yeah, him at DH. Bummer, bummer, bummer. They, they have, still have Sean Murphy. I thought that. Yeah, I wish. Um, I guess a led Miss Diaz, but like, I don't, I mean, I think he's going to play more than that. I mean, if you look at roster resource, they have someone named Connor Capel starting in left field. I'm an A's fan. I don't know who Connor Capel is. So yeah. uh, that's a problem right there in itself. But uh, I just think Brown's going to play every day because I mean, he's their third hitter. And I just, I don't think they'll platoon him because I just don't, he's their, probably their best hitter. But is that going to be a good thing? I mean, have you, seen his, have you seen his splits against Southeast? I mean, and it's just, it's just like, there's like, um, I can't remember who it was that said it, but like, there's kind of like your, your, um, the, the, the guy who, who drafts the team and the team, the guy who manages the team. Right. Yep. And it's like, the guy who drafts the team is like, Oh, Seth Brown, you know, <laughs> there's all these great things. And then there's the manager who's like, Oh man, I've got this one spot on my roster. That's got Seth Brown on it. And he's playing two of three this weekend and three of four here. And I'm not quite sure if I want to go him over this other player. So that's not to say that you don't want a Seth Brown because last year he was he was great, right? If you had him yeah. in the right time, same, same thing with Jock. But it's just a matter of balancing. And it's another spot that's taken up by a guy who's not playing every day. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, there's a reason he's, he's down here in the draft. But I do think, I didn't think he'll be, uh, I think he'll, I think he'll earn that price. Uh, let's get into some other categories. Uh, but first, a note from our sponsors at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering the greatest fantasy experience for all kinds of baseball leagues, whether it be Dynasty, Keeper, Redraft, or Best Ball Leagues. Are you coming from another service? Fantrax makes that easy as well as they can import any of your current leagues and customize as needed. Fantrax offers the most in-depth player pool in the industry, including minor league players. Need a customizable commissioner service for your fantasy league? Fantrax offers more customization than any other platform. They can change your scoring system, help you deal with fab, make your head-to-head schedule, various categories. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all that and more, and it's all free. Sign up for free today. Enter to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. I promise you that was the read. I didn't do that because Toby was on the podcast today. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com slash Rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. Uh, so Toby, as we got into here, uh, runs, I think is the hardest category for me on the offensive side to come up with someone late. Cause you look at like either projections or stats from last year, 
the top guys in like the top like 40 guys in runs are all the studs. Like it just are. They're all the guys that hit the top of the order. They're all guys that get drafted already. Um, if you find yourself getting behind in runs, maybe you don't have enough guys and the, they're leading off or where it may be. Is there anybody later in the draft? Like I need some runs here. I can grab this dude. Um, yeah, there are some players. I mean, honestly, um, yeah, runs is really, really challenging. We talked about one at the beginning, you know, Brandon Nimmo, obviously really high OBP guy playing with the, the Mets in a really good lineup. You know, he's kind of that last gasp. But now, I mean, the problem with all these guys that I'm going to share is like, they don't do a whole lot, you know, like they get runs, they get on base, but they don't do a whole lot. So there's Nimmo, right? Like not really fast, like not really powerful, not <laughs> yeah. like really great batting average, but like good but enough. Scored, right? scored 102, scored 102 runs last year. Scored 102 runs yeah. last year, right? Um, you have Yandy Diaz on the on the Rays. You know, again, like gonna have a pretty good batting average. Should score a decent amount of runs, like as long as he plays every day. You know, not gonna hit you a ton of home runs. Not gonna steal you a ton of bases. Not gonna get you a ton of RBI. Um, Justin Turner, um, is another one. He's supposed to hit third in the Red Sox lineup, you know, going later on, um, he should hit for a decent average, have a decent OBP. Does he really hit for power anymore? Maybe not. Um, does he really steal bases? No. Um, <laughs> you know, so there's just all these guys that are a little bit limited in their profile. Yeah. JD Martinez is another one that I mentioned again, util only, um, uh, Lane Thomas is another one, you know, who, again, I don't know if he's going to be that good in runs because he's on the Nationals. Yeah. And I don't know how good the OBP is going to be. Um, you know, CJ Abrams could be another one if they bat him towards the towards the top that could help out with that. But um, again, at this point, we're kind of grasping a little bit at straws when it comes to to runs. Some of the chat mentioned Stephen Kwan. He's going way earlier in the discussion. He goes about pick 120. So, yeah, he, he should score a lot of runs leading off there. But uh, someone that uh, we're trying to go a little bit deeper in the draft. My guy uh, actually plays for the same team as one of the, one of the guys you mentioned is uh, is Tristan Casas Casas in, uh, in mm. Boston. Uh, looks like he's going to be leading off, playing first base for the Red Sox. And I know he's not fast, but the dude just gets on base. Like his OBP monster. Like his uh, in, in AAA last year. 14.5% walk rate. He was also a big walk guy in 2021. Like his calling card is just getting on base. I think that there's going to be a little bit of pop here. He had, uh, he had 11 home runs in half a season in, in AAA. He had 13 home runs in half a season in AA, 19 in, in single A in 2019. So I think you're going to get like kind of some a decent batting average, a bunch of runs, and some home runs, no steals of the spot, which is kind of tough. And he's not that, that late. He's like pick 220 somewhere in there, so 15th round. But I think if you get behind the runs, I think he's going to score. I don't love the Red Sox lineup, but he's hit in front of Devers, in front of uh, Justin Turner, and then uh, Yoshida is, is probably going to hit fourth, which is kind of interesting in itself. Um, I just think he's going to find himself on base a ton. If you find yourself on base a ton in front of Rafael Devers, you're going to score a bunch of runs. Yeah, it's a good position to be in for sure. What about uh, what about batting average? Uh, another tough one to find late. Is there anybody you find yourself, uh, you know, maybe after pick two hundred, you're like, yeah, this team needs a little batting average. Maybe I'm gonna grab this dude. Yeah, a couple that I mentioned before: Yandy, Justin Turner, um, obviously Luis Arias. I think he's dropped a little bit in in drafts. Um, I think he's beyond pick two hundred. After the after know. the two after the two two bomb game last night, who knows? Oh yeah, what what is he at these days though? Um, he's at two thirty three right now um, in the last seven in the seven main, main event drafts that we've had so far. So there's a guy, uh, Gene Segura, um, same team. Uh, you're going to see a lot of Marlins on here, which is kind of sad um, in a lot of ways. Uh, Jonathan Daza um, is going to be batting leadoff, at least for the beginning of the season for the Rockies. And he's doesn't strike out, doesn't do anything else. 
Um, uh, Alex Verdugo, I don't know where exactly he's going, but he's an average guy. He's uh, um, 215 or so in the minutes. 215, there you yeah. go. Um, so he's another batting average guy. Uh, Lourdes Gurriel is actually projected for a pretty good batting average. Harold Ramirez is another one. You get into, you start getting into some territory of guys that aren't playing necessarily every day who might be platooned. But I actually think that there are some batting average guys going late. I think the challenge is that you're not getting anything else with them. So that if you need to, if you're like going in there and you're like, I need batting average, but I can't fall behind in this, or, you know, I need steals too. It's like, good luck to you. I, I wish you the best of luck. My problem with Arias is he's just not that late. I know it's like the 15, 16 round, but he just does nothing else. Like it is a, you better get the batting average. Cause you're talking about a guy who has no speed and no power. Like, I mean, I know he had the two home runs last night. Fine. But we're talking about a guy with a 30% hard hit rate last year, eight home runs was even pushing it, you know, 3.6% barrel. It's hard to play someone where you're essentially giving up home runs, RBIs and stolen bases. Like usually you want to get at least one of those. Granted, if he hits 316 again, it works, but like, if he hits 285, maybe it doesn't work. It's just uh, he's a really tough play where you need him to hit 300 for it to work. Yeah, absolutely. My guy is uh, someone you actually mentioned. I had two guys. I think, did you say you said Alec Thomas too, didn't you? I didn't. I didn't okay. say Alec Thomas. So uh, my, my first guy was Harold Ramirez, who I actually do like. He's picked 415 in the main event. So essentially free. He might hit fifth for Tampa Bay. I think the interesting thing with Tampa Bay is like they're going to platoon. They're going to be frustrating, but I don't think they're quite as deep as they normally are. So I don't know if they have that many bats to really platoon. You mentioned that with the Giants with kind of the lefties. I think Tampa is just not quite as deep as they have been. You look at their bench, and it's kind of not very impressive anymore. I mean, we're talking Mejia is going to be the back catcher. Taylor Walls can't hit, but can play good infield. Jonathan Aranda and Luke, Ray- Luke Rayleigh, who was on the Dodgers, like that's nobody. They're like, oh, I need to platoon this guy. Like I just. I don't think it's like a pressing spot where they used to have like, oh, we need to get this guy in. Um, so I think Ramirez is going to play a good amount. Um, you know, his expected batting average is 94th percentile last year. Um, you know, fly balls under 30%. So the home runs probably aren't coming, but this is someone that hit, uh, you know, hit 300 last year and then hit 268 in 2021, 276 in 2019. So a history of good batting averages. Uh, at pick 415, I'm pretty good taking Harold as a, as a backup outfielder. Maybe you slide some batting average in there kind of as he gets good matchups, that sort of thing. For sure. And he's dual position eligible too. He's first base and outfield as well. Yeah. So a nice little bench bat to be on there for sure. Love, love that in a bench bat. It just kind of takes up two spots. If you have someone that's injured or a minor leaguer, like someone like that takes up two of your spots. It's it's really nice to get that going. Uh, do you like Alec Thomas? What do you think happens in the in the Diamondbacks outfield? It seems like they're kind of a sticky crowd situation where maybe the leashes on some of these guys aren't quite as long as we think they are based on who they have behind them. Yeah, um, Alec Thomas, I'm not really into. Um, he doesn't really do anything either. I'm not convinced <laughs> on the batting average. What? Um, uh, anything else besides he doesn't do anything? <laughs> no. Um, and also, like, there's a bunch of lefties there, right? Carroll's a lefty. Jake McCarthy's lefty. Alec Thomas is lefty. I think Thomas yeah. is is the guy who's going to get platooned. They have Kyle Lewis, who probably is actually going to play mostly DH. Or Gurriel will play DH and, and the other one will kind of switch in there. So I think they'll probably rotate a little bit, but I think like Alec Thomas will probably be the guy that's impacted the most on that. And again, I just don't see like, whereas with McCarthy, there's clearly a carrying tool in terms of the speed. He gets yeah. on base and different. If you've ever watched him play, he's just like a solid baseball player all around and he plays good defense. Whereas with Thomas, like he just doesn't really do anything particularly well. Like Jake McCarthy, I think, is scheduled to bat third for the the D-back. So, like, he's a guy who could be in there all the time. I think Alec Thomas is going to be the guy they platoon. And I'm not sure. I don't believe enough in the health of either Gurriel or Lewis to really be too afraid about the impact that it has on Carroll or 
or McCarthy for me. Got to, got to get Evan Longoria there too. I know. Well, he's he's. I don't think they're going to throw him out in the outfield though. No, but I think he's I think he's going to DH when as long as he's healthy. I mean, he always gets hurt, but he hits the ball hard. Is his his hard hit and barrel rate have been really good the last three years? I think when he's healthy, he's going to play, which just kind of makes that even more of a kind of convoluted crowd situation because they put girl they put girl in the outfield pretty easily. Who is there? Who's their third baseman? I'm I'm totally blanking on it. Which, uh, which Josh probably needs just a great it's a great Josh, yeah, Josh, Josh Rojas, Rojas, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So I think he'll also play third base with Rojas yeah. um, there as well. So it's. They're going to shift around, but I think the general like takeaway is I don't think for the players that are better that they're going to be too impacted, right? Like maybe they play nine out of ten or something like that. But any yeah. good feel how the catching situation works out there? Because I love Gabriel Moreno as a hitter, but I'm a little bit worried about the first couple months of playing, playing a lot of Carson Kelly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like they've been pretty strict at at being about fifty fifty. I mean, Carson Kelly has had a couple good years or at least decent runs. And he was never really more than like maybe like two out of three occasionally. Yeah. So I haven't really been interested in Moreno. I'd love for him to be really good. I have him on a dynasty league team, but um, I, I'm not, I'm not totally convinced. Uh, I think he's going to hit. I think he's really, I don't think he's going to hit for power, but I think he's going to hit for average. I think he's going to be impressive, but I think that uh, it's going to be a frustrating playing time of series. He's the, at least the first half of the season. And I think one thing too that we forget about with D-backs stadium is that it went from one of the most hitter friendly to one of the most pitcher friendly ballparks. Right. So it's yeah, like, that, it was, all that, these that guys are playing la- launching pad for, it was a launching pad for a while. Yeah, for sure. And it isn't anymore. Question the chat, especially for you, Toby. Uh, someone said, I accidentally drafted O'Neill Cruz in the fourth round, trying to add it in my queue. How bad did I mess up? It was a head to head points league. I don't think you messed up that badly. Yeah. I don't think you messed up that bad. I it's mean, like a round, you know, a round or, a, yeah, a round or two early. Yeah, and in, in, a, in a points league, I mean, it's a little bit worse just because his carrying traits are home runs and steals. So he'd be better in Roto, but, you know, yeah, you'll be fine. Yeah, you don't have to worry about the batting average in points, though. It'll be an, ex- it'll be an exciting year for you watching him hit lead off in that Pirates lineup. Yeah, hitting balls, in, hitting balls into the river will be fun. Uh, we've kind of talked about steals a bunch, but real quick before we get into pitching, uh, is if anybody you find yourself in the back half of your draft, like, I'm in trouble here. I've kind of screwed myself on steals. I found myself getting a bunch of power early. Um, I know we talked about Asterio, Asterio Reza. I can't say that guy's name. Um, who had 85 stolen bases in the minors last year, which is like not a typo. That actually is a correct number. Um, what the heck are you doing if you do get behind the steals in the first half of the draft? Well, yeah, I try really hard not to um, get yeah. way behind in, in steals. Um, again, like a, not a super impressive list, but like there's Estuary Ruiz, obviously, like who we mentioned who has pretty much one tool and it could be really great. And it could also mean that he's in the minors. Um, John Birdie's not playing all the time, but he does have dual position eligibility and he wasn't playing at the beginning of last year when we saw the type of value he had. So probably not somebody that you're necessarily looking to draft. Although, you know, one guy that I you you may want to think about for the first couple of weeks of the season is Joey Wendell um, of the Marlins. Um, he is going to be playing against righties. He's going to be going up against the Mets and Theoretically, there'll be mostly, if not all, um, righties that they face initially, at least for the first. Um, they might, they uh, might be. They might be the really. Season. They might be really good righties, though. They could be really good righties, <laughs> but they're also really bad at steals. Yeah, uh, that's the true. Mets have always been really bad at, at limiting um, steals, and so um, again, you may you may get an offer, but if he ever gets on base, you may get a steal, and he's got second, third, and shortstop um, eligibility. So um, that would be one player that I didn't have on here. Uh, there's obviously Jorge Mateo. Uh, Garrett Mitchell is another one, I think, who's been kind of going up a little bit. Um, Helium-wise, uh, Miles Straw still looks like he's Ooh. penciled in, 
into the ghost, hit nine. The ghost, the ghost of Miles Straw. The ghost of Miles Straw, but it's a little bit different when he's like, what is his ADP in like the 400s or something like that? Yeah, it's, um, not, it's not a seventh round pick. He's not a seventh round pick. Um, uh, Jose Siri is another one who's a little bit interesting, right? But uh, one you need to um, account for the 220 batting average that you're probably going to get, but he's got a little bit of power speed there. Uh, CJ Abrams is another one whose ADP has fallen a little bit off. And again, there's been rumors that maybe he's going to hit at the top of the lineup. Um, but he's been able to steal. Like the, the question is really the power and maybe a little bit in the batting average, um, for him and the fact that he te- plays for an awful team, but I think he'll steal bases for sure this year. Yeah. He's going to play. I don't think he can hit at the major league level right now, but I think he's going to play. And I don't know if you know, it may not matter if any other team, I think he'd probably get sent down or go for half year of seasoning still, but on the Nats, I think they're going to play him a bunch. The guy who's interesting to me, and if I find myself, it had to be very team dependent, but if I kind of get stuck and I'm in the first 12, 13 rounds and I haven't gotten steals, I'm going to take a look at uh, our old friend, uh, used to be in the third, fourth round, Whit Merrifield in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Uh, ADP is about uh, early 200s, like 202 he to 207. He just slipped in there. there. He just snuck in there. He had 40 stolen bases in 2021. People forget, but the, the situation here is like, I don't know if he's going to play every day in Toronto and I don't know where he's going to hit. If he hits eighth to start, like that's, that's really tough. Cause it's just hard to steal bases. You just don't get that. I know you can steal bases from anywhere, but like when you lead off and you, you're automatically guaranteed at least once a game, you're going to be the first guy you get on base. You can go. Um, the K rate was up a little bit, but still really good. He's never been a big barrel guy. So the home runs are never going to be there, but like he's someone that can steal. Like if he steals 30 bases, I don't think that surprises anybody. Like it's there. Um, so if he's someone, I have to get stuck and have to be right. Cause I know he's not going to hit home runs. I worry about a little bit of playing time, but he's still fast. 84th percentile sprint speed. Um, I think it's I think it's a nice shot at stolen base if you find yourself really in trouble through 12, 13 rounds. A little bit earlier than I want to take some. There's a lot of guys in that range I like, but he's someone that I that I would grab if I, if I had a spot. Uh, some of the chat mentioned Nick Gordon. I actually like that. I like that one right now too because the Twins are a mess. Uh, you know, Alex Kirilov hasn't played yet. Corey Polanco might start the year on the IL. Uh, Max Kepler got hurt today. I don't think it was very serious, but he left the game early. Um, uh, think, clean up hitter, Max Kepler. Yeah, clean up Apparently. hitter, Max Kepler. Uh, I think Nick Gordon's going to end up playing a bunch. ADP right now is 325. That's probably going to go up a little bit with these injuries, but he's someone that um, you know quietly has a little bit of speed and a little bit of pop, so I don't think he'll hurt you. Um, and he has second base and outfield eligibility, which is nice too. You want a super sneaky, uh, like late last round of the draft guy? Uh, I would not say no. In Detroit, uh, there's uh, there's all kinds of playing time available in Detroit. Uh, you know, Akil Badu had a horrible year last year. Uh, there's some talk that Kerry Carpenter might start the year uh, in the in the minors. There could be some playing time open. The guy's interesting to me is Matt Veerling, who uh, he's only been drafted in three of the first six online mains. ADP's 437, so literally last round pick. I think he's super sneaky because he has two traits that are really interesting to me. He was 97th percentile sprint speed guy last year. He's really, really fast. And his expected batting average is 91st percentile. So, like, I think he can get on base. He can get some hits. Um, hard hit rate was really good, too, believe it or not. He actually he actually was good there, too. So he hits the ball hard. Uh, you know, he has a good batting average. And because he was really fast. His hard hit rate was 47%. Like, he was way, way up there. Really good percentile there. He's a good strikeout guy, under 20 percentile. Uh, you know, fly ball rate, not horrible. So might hit some home runs too. He's not blocked by studs, which I like. It's hard. Like, we don't know what the playing times will look like, but very rarely do you get someone down here that has like one really interesting skill set. He actually has two with the batting average and the speed. Um, so I think he's a, like, if I get to the 20th, 29th round, I'm kind of stuck. There's nobody I want to left. I think I might take a shot on Matt Veerling and see if he plays a little bit the first couple of weeks before I decide to drop him or not. I was really into Matt Veerling last year, and oh, so nice. it would make it would make a lot of sense that he was good this year. Um, 
I know, I know that feeling. The year two, year two early is a, a specialty of mine. Also, we should actually just be into players for like multiple year periods of time, and yeah. then we'd be, we'd be, we'd be better at this. Totally good. Uh, we have chatted a bunch, but I do want to talk about some pitchers here real quick. Um, if you get behind in wins, Toby, it's a wins and strikeouts are really. I found strikeouts are really, really tough late. I it was for me, it was runs and strikeouts. The ones like I don't know what I do if I get behind. I do not want to fall behind in strikeouts, but. If you find yourself needing some wins, maybe you got to, you got a couple like younger pitchers that maybe may not may not go deep into games, um, and you find you're like I need some wins. Some guys are good teams. Uh, where do you find yourself uh, gravitating towards to get a wins guy here late? Yeah, I mean the one thing that I'd say on all of these pitching ones is, is don't just, there, don't do is, it. It's like I'm known for going heavy on early pitching, Before and I go heavy yeah. on early pitching not just because the early pitchers are better, is because I don't have to worry about things like streaming wins and yep. streaming k's and you know targeting targeting them not just targeting them but relying on them from the back end of the draft like that's just something that i think is not a uh, a recipe for success um if i was looking at wins though um some guys that come to mind are um uh, uh jose barrios you know he was oh. got awful last year but oh. he was still able to get some wins um and he plays for a very good offense you like do you like the bounce back at all, or just a strictly a wins thing? This is strictly a wins thing. Yeah, I mean, I haven't drafted him at all. Um, I could, I could see it. Um, again, like there is risk involved with trying to stream wins. Like essentially, yep. what you're looking for is starting pitchers on good teams that are not being drafted, which is a yep. very hard thing to accomplish. Um, uh, Ranger Suarez is another one. He's injured, but he's going late. It sounds like he'll be ready for opening day and in their rotation, but probably not going five innings yet. But he's a guy who has been pretty good, like ratio wise, and he's on a good Phillies team and with a good ERA and a good Phillies team, like he should do pretty well there. Ty Anderson is another one. Again, yep. the Angels are a good hitting team. Um, so he should help out there. Uh, Miles Mikolas, you know, on a good Cardinals team. Um, Eric Lauer on a relatively good brewers team i mean if he can make that next jump right we saw flashes of him being among the best best pitchers in the league last year um and then we saw uh flashes of the ball going over the fence uh <laughs> yep. very fre frequently as well for those yep. of us who had him last year um so if he's able to navigate that uh, tightrope again um he could be another guy who gets wins but again you're looking really for a guy who's really good who's going earlier in a draft who's on a good team and that just doesn't exist Right. So I, I found it hard here. Like the guy I kind of always say is Domingo Herman. He kind of got lit up this weekend and he scares me, but I think, you know, in, in late in the draft, you can go with him and, and hope maybe he has the magic of a few years ago. But my guy here is that pick 262 is Carlos Carrasco. He had 15 mm. wins last year. Uh, the Mets are, Mets are going to score some runs. You know, I know they're banged up a little bit, but the Mets are going to score some runs. Um, he threw his most innings last year since 2018. That's what you, you know, the guy that gets wins. You need a guy that's thrown innings, making all his starts. He made 29 starts last year. As long as you get out of your mind, he's not the Cleveland guy. He's not your 2016, 2017 guy. His ERA was 397 last year. The whip was a little bit high. You know, he's a little bit hittable. Uh, but I think he's going to get wins. He'll pitch deep enough in the games where the Mets can score some runs. Still gets people to chase. Um, you know, the hard, like I said, the hard hit's a problem. But he gets the people to chase through both his changeup and slider at over a 30% whiff rate last year. So I think it's going to be a few more strikeouts. He bumped them up a little bit last year. So I think he might get some strikeouts. I think he'll definitely get some wins as long as he stays healthy, which obviously a big if with Carrasco. But ADP 262, I think you get uh, 13 to 15 wins out of a guy. You, you can't find that very, very much uh, late in the draft. 
Let's uh, let's jump to strikeouts. I know I had a different in the sheet here, but I'll, I'll flip back here. Uh, what do you do if you're you're like oh, I really need some strikeouts late in the draft? Yeah, I think there's a couple there's a couple things about strikeouts here. I mean, there's your volume guys who maybe don't get as many strikeouts per inning, but are throwing a lot of innings. And then there's your kind of higher skilled guys. And I think it's really hard with the higher skilled guys. And I want to apologize in advance for this list. Um, it may contain a player, Scott, that you um, that may bring back some some negative Uh-oh. memories from last year. Um, so I just want to put that out there to begin with. This is I'm, nothing personal. I, I have so many negative memories. I'm I'm curious. Who it is. <laughs> um, so first, this is not him. Uh, Merrill Kelly is one. Um, and again, I, I, looking through projections, like go through. He's projected, I think, for 160 strikeouts. You know, and and maybe some decent ERAs on a good on a relative on an up and coming team. I would say with the D-backs. I don't know if they're good yet, but I think they're really interesting and in a good pitching park. Um, so that was he was actually the highest projected strikeout guy that was going after an ADP of 200 that I was able to find. There's Jose Barrios um, as well. Again, we've talked about him a little bit. Alex Cobb is interesting, although he's going within the 200 ADP now. He's going in round 13, Scott. I, I love Alex, I love Alex Cobb and now he's, he's 184 in the main it's, event. I'm like, oh, I guess I I guess I'm not I, the only one. It's crazy. Yes, I guess I don't love Alex Cobb. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, yeah, that one's a tough one. So I guess he's not off the list. This is the one that I, I mentioned. I lo- I loved him on the at the old price though. I thought he, I think he was really underpriced, and now I think he's correctly priced. For sure, uh, Trevor Rogers um, uh, is one. Uh, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I. I had to go there. I mean, even in the second half of the year, he was still striking guys out. Just I may, I may, I maintain he was my SB one. I still found a way to win the league, so I guess we can we can be okay with him for sure. Yeah, oh, and I mean, was, it was yeah. so bad last year. It was, and honestly, I'm I'm not really that into him. Um, you know, I just think that the two pitches that he's got is just not probably enough. Um, but um, I think he's going to strike some guys out. And then Eric Lauer was the other one. I mean, he she struck out a bunch of folks last year. Um, so. Those are some of the guys, I mean, you mentioned before Carrasco, he's another guy that I think you could add to that where he's not striking out the same number of guys that he used to, but um, the, given the volume that you mentioned, there will be Ks with that as well. I had a couple. One of mine is kind of kind of in your Alex Cobb vein, cheating a little bit. He's moving up is Edward Cabrera in, in Miami. Um, I think that the strikeout pitchers are there. He has two different pitches he throws. They're almost 30 percentile in the, in the whiff rate, or 30 uh, percent whiff rate, the, the changeup and the curveball. I like that he threw a lot more changeups in 2022. He, he did adjust his pitch mix. He threw like 10 percent more changeups than he did in 2021. He throws five different pitches. Um, it's a walk rate issue with him. Like his walk rate was really high. It was over 11% last year. The whip is going to be tough if that's the case. He had a really good, his Babbitt last year was 207. Like that's never happening again. That's what kept the whip so low. I've heard people talking about, oh, he's a 107 whip guy. I'm like, he's not. If you can walk that many guys, he's just not. Uh, he adjusts the walks a little bit though. He gets really exciting really fast. And my other guy, further down, so a little bit less cheating, pick 275 or so is uh, Ronzi Contreras in Pittsburgh. Um, I just think he struck out so many guys in the minors. I know he didn't, it didn't really translate to the majors, but that happens a lot with guys when they first come up, you know, figure out the pitch mix a little bit. I mean, he threw his slider, a 42% whiff rate. He's got to figure out when to throw it, throw it at the right time and all that. Um, 92nd percentile chase, right? He's going to get strikeouts. He's another guy that walks too many guys and you're going to get that with guys down here. There's a reason he's going and pick 275, not earlier, even with his stuff. But you know, you're talking about a guy that was like 34% uh, strikeout rate in 2021. He was 32% in the minors before he got called up last year. Um, I don't know how many innings he'll throw, but I think the innings he will throw will be, will be pretty good for the strikeouts. So I do like him as a uh, kind of a deeper guy to get some strikeouts. Not, not for wins, by the way. Yeah. Um, one, one, one guy we didn't mention either is um, 
is Clark Schmidt. Um, yeah. He's really interesting. I don't know where he's going in ADP yeah. now. Not, like, not, not outside the top 200 anymore. Oh, he's not. Oh, he is. 226 in the main event. Oh, 226. Okay. I was going to say, min, I was like, wow, that is a min, rise. Min pick, pick, min pick 197. Yeah, that's interesting. Very he interesting. is he is flying up. He's uh, just moved right ahead of Jamison Tyon and right after Bryce Harper. Before you know it, he'll be caught up with Reed Detmers. Yeah. God, that was crazy, too. It's wild. I, I think Reed Detmers. 140. There's like a ninth rounder, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. The interesting thing with Detmers is like, I don't think he's pitched at a stat cast park yet. Oh, and wow. so there's all know. these, there's all these velo things where they're like, he's not, he's 97, 98. Well, you take off three from that. He's 95, 96. Now if he was 95, 96, that's like, you know, kind of different story than when he was last year where I think he was like 92, 93. Yeah. But um, he hasn't pitched at a stat cast part. So I'm really curious to see when he throws that first, game this year where there's measurement like whether that was you know kind of whether it was accurate which would mean like hey this guy could be legit right super good or like maybe a little bit of hyperbole we'll we'll see since uh since i'm looking at this adp range uh what say you on dustin may at pick 140 i'm not that i'm not interested all right uh, how about you I don't think I am either. I love the stuff. I love watching them, but I think that's, I think it's going to be too, uh, too hefty a price for me. I think that uh, innings are a concern with him. And I think that uh, I know he's got the stuff, but I need to see him strike some guys out too. Yeah. Uh, it's tough really, too about like how they're going to use him. Yeah. I'm I think the usage, how they're going to use him. Usage in innings, I think he'd be a little weird, but man, he's got, I mean, he looked really good that year before he got hurt. He was like finally striking guys out and the stuff was nasty. Um, we talked about strikeouts and, and, and wins. We kind of hit a bunch of guys. Is there anybody in particular that jumps out to you? Is like, I'm in trouble in ratios. I need to get uh, someone that's going to help me down here. It's, it's really hard to find a ratio yeah. guy this late. I fully get that. The, the good news, Scott, is I have a ton of bargain ratio pitchers for you going at the back end that's of the awesome. draft. No, and you I'm should, if you, if, by the way, if kidding. you do, you should not mention any of them. Yes, for sure. At least not um, until after next weekend. I know. Right. Well, here are the players that I, that I have on here again, whether or not this will this will function, uh, Miles Mikolas, Alex Cobb, who again is not going in that range. Yeah. Um, again, you know, and Cobb is a little bit of a question mark because of the whip. I mean, he's never really had a good whip. I think we're kind of banking on him. Um, you know, kind of putting it all together. Uh, Alex Wood is another one who's had really good ratios when he's been healthy outside of last year. Um, Ross Stripling had a really good whip last year. Um, Matthew Boyd is another one who historically hasn't walked anybody. Whether that ERA ratio and that Home runs per nine ratio will be um, good. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. But um, those are some guys that, again, I think when you're talking about ratios at this point, you're looking for guys that have low walk rates. Yeah, um, my guy here was, was Ross Stripling. At, uh, he's picked 291 in the main event. I think that the, the move to San Francisco is a, is, is a positive thing. Uh, he he dropped his his walk rate down at 3.7 percent last year. Like that's huge for the whip. So uh, you know, good ground ball guy too. So I think that's uh, you get enough in here. He he's going to give you. A, I think he give you a good ERA, good uh, good whip. Uh, not a lot of strikeouts. 20 percent strikeout guy, but. He was 11% swing strike rate, so maybe we see that bump up a little bit. Um, I think he's a, uh, you know, as I get in the, the late teens, right? he's a guy that I could just take, and I, I find myself, at least use him at home. Um, I don't think he'll hurt you. Guy that always scares me but always has a good ERA is, is Marcus Stroman. It's just it's crazy, the guy. You know, again, no, you don't have strikeouts, but you look at his ERA the last three years, 322-302-350. Like, those are really good numbers. I know he doesn't strike people out, but it's just he's just always really solid. I don't know how he fully gets it done. His pitches move a lot. Gets a ton of ground balls, over 50% ground ball guys. So 
there's some games you get bad up to death and gives up a lot of hits, but uh, you know, the, the, the whips one, one five last two years, but he's someone's a later, later in the draft. I'd have to look to see what his, his AP was like two, I think two seventy five in the main event so far. And I think he's someone you can take there. It's not going to hurt you. And that, that's pretty significant at this point in the draft. So. Yeah. I think it's about raw. It's about rotation construction too. Like in that yeah. instance, like, if you can build a rotation that can take in a, a Marcus Stroman yeah. um, without having to worry too much about the Ks, it's really great. And if you think about Stroman, like he's now got Dansby as his shortstop, yeah. you know, um, Nico Horner as his second baseman, and then Cody Bellinger as his center fielder. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty good middle of the diamond defense yeah. for a guy who gives up a lot of balls in play. So before I let you jump out of here and go back to your uh, regular life, uh, give me some, uh, give me some saves guys at the end of the draft. Um, I've got a couple names here, but I'm curious who uh, who you like. You're like, yeah, I got my one anchor, but I don't feel really good at my second one. Or maybe I got uh, two middle of the road guys. I need someone down here. Who do you find yourself trying to grab in the you know plus, plus two hundred plus range to get uh, get sneak some saves through? Yeah, um, well, I am I am nothing if not a person who is very um, who places a high value on brand. And a few <laughs> years ago, um, I started posting a GIF every time this player of a box every time this guy got a, uh, a, a save. Um, so Brad Boxberger is one guy um, that him and Michael Fulmer, I think are two interesting ones where they've kind of said, these two guys will probably split the saves, but it'll be interesting to see out of Boxberger and Fulmer who kind of takes, um, uh, who kind of, uh, yeah, who, who takes that or whether they split saves or not. I mean, even in today's landscape, if you can put together you know, um, if you have a second reliever that's in there, that's or even a third one on, on a day where you don't have the, the enough starters to fill in. Well, I think you can um, you can you can have those guys that maybe get you a save a week or, um, you know, every other week or something like that in today's landscape. So those guys, um, I think the D-backs have a couple of interesting arms back there. Tell, tell um, me who you like there, because I cannot figure out who I want to grab. Yeah, I mean, it shifts every day. There's yeah. um, Miguel Castro, you know, who um, has been really good and has like one of the higher stuff plus numbers, I think, um, who's been pitching out of there. There's Justin Martinez, who I know some people like too, because he throws um, absolute gas. I've been going mostly with Castro in that. There's also, I think, McGuff. Is that his name? Um, He's the guy that led, he's been in Japan saving games, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then there's also um, Ray. He, has, he, he hasn't given up. He hasn't given up a hit yet in spring training. By the way, McGuff. Oh really? Wow. Well, five that, five and two cool. five and two thirds zero hits. That's impressive. Yeah. Um, so maybe him. Um, yeah. <laughs> no. And then uh, Raylo, I think, um, in the White Sox bullpen. I know they've said like they're not going to name somebody right away. I don't believe in Kendall Graveman at all. I think Kendall Graveman was like a half season wonder um, last year. Even the second half of last year, he was he wasn't very good. Um, and Raylo actually wasn't that good either, but I, but he's made some adjustments and did some work in the summer and he's had a good spring. Um, so I would, uh, I would lean towards him and that, um, White Sox bullpen, which I think could be really nice. Um, yeah, those are the, those are the guys that are, that kind of stand out for me, but I think it's, it's really, I think it's really challenging. I really struggle with how much of my bench slots to a lot to those types of players where it's great that I can move on really, really quickly, but it's also like, I could have had a player that was like pretty good here. You know, so. I don't want, I don't want more than one. I don't think on my bench. So, uh, but uh, you, uh, you, I'm going to have two answers. My real answer is the one you already gave. It's Ronaldo Lopez. I'm a little surprised. He's not really moved up in the main event. His, his ADP is 300. Um, 
I'm going to take him in the 18th, 19th round uh, in any draft. So if you're drafting with me, you better jump him a little bit because I'm going to take him. Wow. Calling the shot. I, yeah, I've, been, I've been talking about him for a month, so I, it's not a surprise to anybody who's ever listened to me. But, like, you just look at what a different pitcher he was as a reliever, and, I mean, it's a vast difference. I mean, you look at the, the K to walk was uh, – K minus walk was over 20% last year, 25% strikeout rate, a walk rate under 4 4.5%. And he just – you saw that starting in 2021. The walk started to dip as he started to relieve. He throws harder. Velo's up to 97 uh, I don't believe in Kendall Graveman either. There was a quote this week from the White Sox, like, you know, he's going to be in high leverage spots. I, you know, I, I like to hear that. Maybe that means he pitches in the eighth, but like they're thinking about him in the back end, which is kind of all I need. You know, a couple, uh, couple dominant outings. All of a sudden, maybe the, he has a whip under one the last two seasons. Like that's mm. really nasty. Um, I don't trust Graveman either. Um, I really like Reynaldo Lopez at that price. The other guy here and his ADP in the main event so far is three thirty three, and I think he ends up leading his team in saves. Is AJ Puck in Miami? Mm. Um, I didn't. I, I thought the A's were, you know, financially smart to to try and use him as a starter and see like if they could see something. I never thought it was going to work as a starter, uh, but as a reliever, I mean, he's got twenty seven percent strikeout rate last year. The walks are a little bit high, um, but you know, barrel rate is a little bit too high. But hard hit rate's not too bad. The slider's nasty, thirty seven percent whiff rate. You look at his four seamer, twenty five percent whiff rate on that too. So it's, he's not a guy that just only uses slider for strikeouts. Uh, I think the strikeouts will absolutely be there. It's a matter of usage, and nobody's really blocking him. Like there's nobody in that pen that I'm like. Oh my gosh! Well, they he can't jump over this guy. I mean, Tanner Scott, Matt Barnes, Dylan Flora. Like, are we scared of any of those guys? That puck looks really good through three weeks. I just think that uh, I think he's gonna pitch well, and he's gonna strike some guys out. Doesn't matter if he blows up a couple times when he's walking guys. If he doesn't the first month, um, I think he ends up leading the Marlins and saves. And at pick three thirty, I'm I'm gonna take a shot and see what I got after you know three weeks. If it's obviously not there, he's pitching the sixth and seventh inning, multi innings. Easy at this point to drop, um, but I think he's definitely worth a shot. Is that your approach kind of towards saves too, is to, is to get one of those studs and, and kind of have a I'd couple like, of those specs. I'd like to get an anchor. I'd like to get a min round spec like in 14, 15, and then maybe a couple uh, late guys like this. I'd like to get Lopez. I'd like to get puck. Um, yeah. I don't, I'd love, I'd love Evan Phillips to close in LA. I just don't think it's going to happen. Um, but I think he's an awesome pitcher, but like as someone in that middle, middle range, middle range, um, I'm even okay sucking up at taking Kyle Finnegan in that mid-range. I think that he he had some improvements last year. He's an awful team, but he's the guy. Um, I like Michael Fulmer. You mentioned him earlier. I think he he was picked 234 in the main event. So he's going like 16th round. I think it's a pretty good mm. shot there. Foxburger's a good point too. I, I like that one also. Um, I don't love Jorge Lopez, but he goes late enough where I'm like, oh, you know, if he's going to save game for the Twins, we'll see what we get. But that's pick 275. But you mentioned earlier, the Twins have a lot of good relievers. A couple hiccups by Lopez. I think he could fall down that list pretty quick. Oh, but, God. Uh, Griffin Jackson, that closer role, I'd be like, yeah, that'd be take nice. my fab. Here's $850 <laughs> of fab for Griffin Jacks. You go, you go full, full hyper league and spend all your money and just not have to worry about the rest of the year. It's beautiful. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, I'd like to get an anchor, but man, there's like seven or eight of them and just might get a spot in the draft where you just can't do it. Like it's just, everybody's like, everybody, everybody walks in like, I just want to get one of those guys. I'm like, only half of us are going to get one of those guys in each way. Yeah. Like, it's just, <laughs> I, you can't, I did the math and <laughs> yeah, math wise, it just doesn't work out. It's just, it's, it's wild. And I think, I think this weekend we're going to see those guys like Bednar and, and Barlow and some of those guys move up because I think people are going to start to panic when they realize they don't have one. And you know, six other teams don't have one either. And they got to, everybody needs one. So, um, I'd like to get an early guy, but we'll kind of see what happens. I'm I'm pretty usually pretty good about kind of seeing what happens and letting the draft flow come. And sometimes that means I get screwed in saves and I find myself behind. It happened to me last year a couple of times, but um, there's enough names down here where I can maybe piece it together a little bit. That's what I've Anything said else? the last two, year, two years too, Scott, and it's didn't work. It's been really sad. I waited. Uh, I waited till the 18th round last year. I think to my second closer, really? and maybe oh, I did okay. well in. Second, and it was yeah. Seawald. 
um, oh, who nice. worked out who worked out well, and I took Tana Rainey, who did not work out well. Mm-hmm. Um, I picked somebody up along the way, but I had I had Ryan Presley, so that worked well. I mean, he went in the aisle, but it worked pretty well for hold the season. But I ended up with like 68, 69 saves somewhere in there, and it kind of nice. just it worked out fine. I just uh, it's hard to do though, but you don't want to you don't need as many as we used to. We used to need like eighty five to ninety. You don't need those anymore, but you got to find a way to get sixty five to seventy, and it's just it's tough. It is, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's sixty seven. I think is eightieth percentile, so you don't need to like blow that away you actually don't even need to hit that like if you're better in the other categories so boy does um, it suck to take one early though it does it's really like like part of my draft strategy is like how can i possibly how can i not take one of these guys and still feel good about my team yeah and not you like grabbing like, you know you just look at the starter the starter or the hitter you're passing up to do it and it just it hurts so badly so good, to do it yeah. but but my, when you get like two rounds later, it feels so liberating at the same time. You're like, I don't have to think about closer for the next six rounds. It's it's beautiful. It's a good feeling. Yeah, for sure. All right, Toby. Anything else on your mind? I appreciate you jumping on. Obviously, sorry, went a little bit long here, but we were chatting. Um, hope uh, hopefully uh, everybody enjoyed. Uh, you want to uh, pump one more time where people can find you on Twitter, where they can find you, listen to you if they if they like this and want to hear more. Yeah, um, at Batflip Crazy on Twitter um, is where you can find me. Batflip Crazy Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Again, do a weekly one um we do we did a series of position previews and now we're doing re-previews um, where we're just kind of going back over those previews and seeing what's changed since we um, did those a little earlier on in the draft season so hopefully those can be of of, uh, of help to you as you uh enter your drafts just and if I you're can... in vegas just don't go back and listen to them it's <laughs> the only thing that i would ask I can, um, I can confirm they are good podcasts. I've listened to many of them, and I do uh, I do enjoy listening to you and uh, you and Bubba. Bubba's not coming to Vegas, is he? Uh, I don't think he's going uh, to. No, I'm, I, we're going to we're going to miss him. I'm going to miss yeah, him. Yeah, one of the, one of these years we got to get got to get him out there. I've uh, I've uh, I've actually never met him. I've crossed paths with him. We were at the same U.S. Open at Pebble Beach once on the same oh, day. We cool. just and then I gave him some tickets for like the practice round, but I wasn't there. We kind of, and then the Sunday we kind of crossed. It just, it just never worked out, but it was a, he's a, he's a really good dude. So that's a, that should be, a, should be good. I appreciate that. Uh, appreciate you jumping on. Um, it's draft week. If you want to jump on a rotowire, we have a lot of stuff going on there. Podcast content, draft sheets, dra- cheat sheets, player profiles. That's rotowire.com slash pod for a free 10 day trial. No credit card required for that. If you please rate or view the podcast, we do appreciate that also it goes a long way to helping people find the podcast, which is a really good thing for everybody involved here. Um, I want to thank uh, fan tracks and underdog for the sponsorship of the, of the podcast all preseason long. It's been great having them aboard. Other than that, hope everybody has a really good uh, week. We will definitely have a really good week. We'll be headed to Vegas. Uh, one of the best weekends of the year for all of us. I'm looking forward to that. Back at you next Sunday night. Jeff and I will be able to break down all these drafts. Jeff and I will be both be drafting on Saturday in the main event. Uh, should be a lot of fun. Luckily, Jeff does not have Toby in his league this year because he had him in last year, and Toby beat him. So that's uh, there is that. Um, who won? Matty Davis won that league, right? Matty Davis, yeah. Matty Davis yeah. had an incredible team. Like he had nine out of ten categories on lock, and he was wow. last in steals. Um, like if he had just been able to pull together steals, gotten that John Birdie or gotten that McCarthy, he should have. He, uh, he should. He should have just texted sure. texted me the the week the John Birdie came up. I could have helped him out with that. For one. sure. For sure. Too bad I had no pitching, so I couldn't do anything anyway. But um, anyway, thanks everybody for for listening to the podcast. We do really appreciate it. Uh, hope everybody has a really good week. We'll be back at you next Sunday night, and take care.